0: And if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be spending our time in Luke 1. I know it's a shock and a surprise. We're going to be in Luke 1, verses 57 through 66. 57 through 66. But before we get to our text this morning, I want to tell of another story about a barren womb and a child who was born to aid in the salvation of his people. We're going to talk about a story way back in Genesis. When God told his people through Abraham that they are going to be in slavery for 400 years. A promise that was told to them that this would happen to them. They didn't know what this was going to be about, but except for the fact that they are going to be enslaved for 400 years. Further down the road, a man by the name of Jacob, known as Israel, has two wives. And a son is born to one of those wives who was given a promise. His name was Joseph. Can anybody tell me what the issue with Joseph's mother was? She was barren. She was barren, and the Lord gave her Joseph. Now Joseph had been given a promise. Joseph had been set aside specifically for the Lord. He had been loved by his father immensely. He stayed inside, he studied, he learned, while his brothers were out tilling the fields. But the father loved Joseph. And Joseph received a dream. He received a vision from the Lord saying, this was going to happen, that your brothers would bow down to you. That you would rule over them. Now, Joseph, in his excited state, went out and be like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to go tell my brothers about this. That was a huge mistake. He went and told his brothers, and within the brothers, they got jealous. They got jealous. So, what did they do with Joseph? They were going to kill him, they were just like, I'm just going to kill this guy but one stood up for him and said, no, that's not a good idea. So let's sell him into slavery. You know, apparently that was the better option. Sells Joseph into slavery down in Egypt. Now, while he was down in Egypt, he went through a series of mis, what do you say, unfortunate events. (laughs) But in the end, what happened? In the end, where was Joseph? He was exalted to a... Point of authority, right? All that stuff he went through, point of authority. Now, why was it imperative that Joseph get the authority that he was given? Because what happened to the people, to his people, to his family, because of his appointment in authority? They were saved from where? A drought, a barren land. Joseph was given a promise about something he didn't fully understand that came to in fulfillment of a promise that came way before. If it, was, if it was me, my opinion is Joseph should have done what Zechariah did and just kept his mouth shut. But at the very end of all of it, Joseph said this What you meant for what? evil, God meant for good. Now, this is quite intriguing because we're going to be also learning of a story this morning of a birth of a child who came from a barren womb named John the Baptist, and that there was a purpose in that birth for the specific purpose of the people, that he would be the one who would come and usher in the the Lord, he would prepare the way for the Lord, For the sake of salvation of God's people. So let's go to our text this morning. And observe the birth of John the Baptist. Starting in verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God, and fear came on all their neighbors. And these things were talked about through the, all the hill country of Judah, Judea, sorry, and all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, "What then will this child be? for the hand of the Lord was with him? Now something is very intriguing about this idea of the hand of the Lord being upon John in correlation to Joseph. What do you, Does anybody know what it says about Joseph after each of these events, that the Lord was with him? So what we're seeing is this correlation of the beauty of the reality that a promise had been given. A child was born from a barren mother for the sake of deliverance and salvation of the people. This is our main statement this morning. This is our main statement. If you get anything out of this morning, I would like for you to understand this. God is at work among his people with faithfulness on display. Mercy applied and rejoicing expressed. The birth of John displays how Elizabeth and Zechariah demonstrate the effects of great mercy and blessing from God in the life of the Christian, and bears the question, what child will you be? What child will you be? It's a beautiful picture. I love the way that this text ends. Because all the people feared, and they wondered in their heart, okay, what's going on with John? Strange birth, strange name. Okay, what's this child going to be then? Let's find out. Let's dive into our text this morning. Number one. Number one. From mercy to rejoicing. From mercy to rejoicing. We find this in verses 57 and 58. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And that they rejoiced with her. I love this. I love that this, the text says time had come that the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. Now here we are at the moment of truth. Everything that had been boiling up in the first few sermons as, as we've been going through Luke has now come to this point. The promises have been said, the name had been given, the rejoicing in the womb that has happened, the rejoicing from Mary. We're all setting the stage for the fulfillment of all those promises that had been given. All the things that have been said, a lot of talk, a lot of standing on faith. Here is the moment whenever the people are able to observe with their own eye the fulfillment of the faithfulness of God to His Word. So here it is, the moment. Will what was stated from Gabriel to Zechariah come to pass? All the evidence was there. John leaped in the womb once Jesus was present. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit and rejoicing. And now came the time for when the words of God will faithfully become the works of God in humanity. We are now moving from the point of simple promise to fulfillment and being able to observe with our own eyes this very fulfillment of the promise that was given. That God is at work in His people. This is the moment. So she bore a son. She bore a son. Now if John is born... Just as the Lord has stated, then that means that God, who remembers. Remember, Zechariah's name is God who remembers. And who is faithful, Elizabeth, is at work in his people in his grace. Do you guys remember what John's name means? God is gracious. God remembers, God is faithful, and now God is gracious. So she bore a son. The fruit of the womb that was once barren has now come forth as a full display of the faithfulness of God to his word that he is gracious and that his grace is now going to be made known to all the people. What a beautiful child this is going to be. The silence is over. And we're going to see this later in full effect. The silence is over. They spent over 400 years sending petitions up, praying in the holy temple to Partitioning to God, Lord, come save us. Lord, come save us. Lord, come save us. We are bound in bondage. We are enslaved to the rope. We have been conquered over and over. Lord, come save us. And now here comes a child. Now, this is not the child. He's the precursor. He's come to prepare the way. But it's a beautiful thing that he sent the forerunner ahead to make way the preparation for the child who is to come. To ensure that nobody is going to miss it. That the kingdom of God is coming. And is now here is what he will declare. The king is coming. So God has heard the cries of his people and he has responded. And now the only rightful response we shall see in this text is rejoicing. We see it a lot. And we're going to see it again next week. With the rejoicing of Zechariah. Elizabeth had a reason to rejoice though. She was a barren and aged woman. She had nothing but cultural shame upon her for her inability to have children. What would she have to offer? She received a blessing, not based on what she did for herself, but because of what God is able to do through her as an empty vessel. Hear me out right now. This idea is God is only going to help those who help themselves. Bunkus. What could Elizabeth do about her barrenness? Oh, Lord, you know, if I just engage in this way and that way, maybe you'll bless me. Or if I do this, maybe you'll bless me with a child. She was barren. What is she supposed to do? She came forward and was like an empty vessel. Do you notice that there's not a text in here that says anything about Elizabeth's response to the news? It doesn't say anything about her doubting it. It doesn't say anything about her, you know, questioning the mechanics. We're going to see her faith established as strong in this text. So much so, she's even willing to defend it in front of the pressures of the crowd. What did she have to offer? Herself. Lord, I don't know what you're going to do, but here I am. So if the Lord says, I'm going to do this over you, you say, Lord, use me. Lead me however you see fit. What are we to offer? What do we have to offer? It's not like we meet the Lord halfway. So, you may be thinking here this morning that you have nothing to offer to God. And that's right. (laughs) You come forward and you're like, you know what? I got these skills and talents. So, if you put them all together in this cool form, that's what I'm supposed to be. I have this talent, skills. God's given me this. Therefore, this is who I am. No. The Lord's going to use you how he sees fit. You're merely an empty vessel that His glory may manifest in your life, and you get to participate and see it. Elizabeth had nothing to offer, but she got the blessing, didn't she not? She got the blessing. She didn't command it. She didn't do something to manifest this blessing. She just received it, all because of the sovereign will of the the Father. He said, I'm going to give you this as a blessing For your good pleasure, my good pleasure, and for my glory. How incredible is that? So you may be asking yourself this morning, you know what, I have nothing to offer for God, that there is nothing worthy in comparison to the glory that is the Lord, and you're right. But out of a barren womb, an older barren womb, would come a son whose name means God is gracious. If God can use a barren womb to bring about John the Baptist, we should present him with our everything, which is nothing in comparison. We are but barren lands whose thirst, is for the, uh, whose thirst is great for the Lord and for the living water. We come to him in complete trust and dependence, and through that majesty of the glory of God is seen through our lives. When we lay down the thoughts that God should use us because what we have to offer, we become the mechanic by which God can work. Rather than watching God work through us a barren land to bring about great things and great fruit. You know what's intriguing? You may be asking yourself this question. God can't use me because. God can't use me because. I didn't go to seminary. I didn't go over here and do this. I don't know the language of that place that you're calling me to, Lord. I can't do this because I'm not skilled. What if I don't know what to say? What if I don't know what to do? I don't have the strength for this. Sound sounds a lot like Zechariah. All right, Lord. (laughs) I know you made a promise. I know you called me to something, but I'm setting up limitations. Sometimes we just need to be quiet, which is what I find fascinating that Zachariah was shut up because he couldn't engage anymore with his mouth and just watch the miracle happen. And we're going to see later what the first thing he does with that mouth when it's loose what he should have done in the first place. So I don't want you sitting here asking yourself, I can't do that, Freddie. I can't help lead that. I can't teach that. I can't go to this country. I can't witness to these people. You're right, you can't. But there's one who can work through you to make sure it happens. Who's one who says he's going to give you the strength to do it, that he said he preordained good works for you to do, that you do what in them? We're going to see that text later. That You just walk in them. Oh, I don't know how to preach. Oh, good. We don't either. (laughs) We talk about it every single week. The reality is, is we can read tons and tons of books about preaching, but the truth is, is the power, the word, and the effect of it all comes from the Lord. The Spirit carried along the word that was written. The Spirit works in the hearts of the people for faith. The Spirit regenerates people from death into life. So what are we doing? We're simply the vessels that declare the word to you. That's it. Well, you guys went to seminary. Well, some would say that was a mistake. (laughs) And I pray that Biden doesn't accept this, like, loan forgiveness thing, because I'm going to be saying sorry every time I preach. Sorry, guys. You took on my student loans that I could preach. (laughs) The reality is a seminary... Ministry training, your wisdom, your intellect, your ability has nothing to do with whether or not God can use you. It's your willingness to say, here I am. May your glory be magnified in my life and let me observe the glory of what you're going to do. Let me just observe it and see it come to pass. We don't have anything to offer to the Lord except ourselves, which is a living sacrifice, which is what rightful worship for us. Next portion here is that they were shown; they recognized that Elizabeth was shown great mercy, that she was shown great mercy. The Greek says "emegelinen kurios ta elios." That phrase is specific. I told you, or we told you, Luke doesn't mix words. He doesn't waste words. Luke, he's a doctor, he's very intelligent. He uses his Greek very well. This particular usage of the Greek is also found in one other place, in Genesis 19. In Genesis 19. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis 19. We're actually going to go through this. So recap the story. I'm going to recap the story of, (laughs) that was my notes. I'm going to recap the story of Lot and Sodom. So here we go. What's going on in Genesis? Abraham and Lot have been together, they've been traveling together, they've been throughout the land, and now the herds of Lot and the herds of Abraham are now clashing with each other. The workers are fighting, so they decide to divide the land. So Abraham and Lot go up, they look at the land and say, Hey, which side are you going to take? Do you guys know what side Abraham took? The barren land. Hmm, interesting. Lot took the fertile land. So Lot took him and his family and his herds, and they went to the fertile land, to the east, to a place known as Sodom, and that's where he resided. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah had become so wicked that in the Old Testament, whenever a place becomes abundantly wicked, it says that the land is cursed and tainted. It means it's so bad that nothing good can come from it. Okay? So this is what's going on. Sodom and Gomorrah has just gone off the deep end. Wickedness is abundant. Something very interesting happens. Rather than the Lord just judging Sodom and Gomorrah, what does he do first? He goes and tells Abraham, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I've heard the cries of the people, and this is what I'm going to do. Why is that? Can anybody find a word on what that would mean? grace and mercy he gave the forerunner a heads up about what was about to happen to that place and abraham was utilized as a mediator between god and his cousin because what did abraham do oh lord you know if this many people were righteous will you forsake you know would you not do this yes if so many people and he kept going on and on and on essentially he just came down to the point of like all right i'm going to plead for lot So what does the Lord do in his wonderful mercy to Lot and his family, who have chosen to go to Sodom? He sends a messenger to Sodom to let Lot know. Hey there, just want to let you know destruction is coming, and you and your family need to get out. What is that? That's mercy. Lot and his family didn't deserve it. They didn't do anything to merit As a matter of fact, they were in that land. But out of the abundant mercy of the Lord, as Abraham was a mediator, here come the messengers to declare what was going to happen. So let's dive into the text. Let's dive into the text. Let's find out what happens. Genesis 19, starting in verse 15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up! Take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest, oh, this is awesome, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. The messengers came and said, Look, if you don't abide in this thing, you're going to be swept up in judgment. If you don't believe the word of the Lord, you're going to be swept up in judgment. Verse 16, but he lingered. (laughs) What in the world? Mercy came to Lot and he lingers. He's like, well, I don't know. You know, we have our family here. The kids are going to a really good school. You know, my business is popping. We can't up and leave now. He lingered. So what did the angels do? The men seized him and his wife and two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. So this is what mercy looks like. Uh, I know that you're trying to make excuses right now, But let's go. Do you know what it's like whenever the gospel impacts your heart and faith comes upon you? Did you decide that just out of all of your wisdom of the scriptures? No. The Lord says, let's go. You're mine. Ask Paul. He was on his merry way. The Lord said, You're mine. They seized him, them, them by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him. That's that phrase there, being merciful to him. And they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. All right, commandment. And Lot said to them, oh, oh no, my Lord's. Man, this guy. Behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. (laughs) He's pushing it now. And you have shown me, there it is, great kindness. I don't like the fact that they use the word kindness there. I'd much rather that they use mercy. But they chose to use kindness. Great mercy in saving my life. So he's like, all right. The Lord has obviously shown favor towards me. But I have a request. (laughs) But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and die. Behold, the city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. Listen to the angel. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zor, which means little, which means little. So in the midst of all of this, the Lord had shown great mercy by sending his messengers to Abraham. Abraham receives it as a mediator, pleads to the Lord that the salvation of his family would come about. Therefore, the messengers go into the city and endure some crazy stuff. I'm not going to say it. You can read it for yourself. They endured some crazy stuff. And the Lord was still merciful in getting them out. Even when he lingered, said, let's go. Okay? That's what it means to be shown great mercy. Now, this is very intriguing. We all have been shown great mercy. The messengers of God were sent into Sodom to warn Lot and his family that they may be saved from the destruction that was to come. We, too, carry the message of God through the preaching and witnessing of the gospel. We are now his ambassadors, been saved by Christ Jesus, that we now go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Everyone, teach them the commands that I have given you, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. We go. We have that commandment to go. We are now that messengers to declare to the world that destruction and judgment is coming, but there is a Christ who has come to save you, that God is gracious and merciful, steadfast in love, slow to anger, and good to all who call upon Him. So therefore, come, repent, and be baptized. We carry that message. John carried that message. He was the forerunner to Israel and Jerusalem who would come and declare, repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent and be baptized. To make way for salvation. We too go and spread that message. Listen to Hebrews 9. This is the message that we all know. And this is the message that we carry. And just as it is appointed for man to die once. And after that comes judgment. So Christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many. Will appear a second time. Not to deal with sin. But to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. We bear that same message. Listen, person. Listen, man, woman. God is righteous. God is holy. We are not. We have sin deserving judgment. We see this judgment coming to pass that we're going to die. But there is salvation. His name is Christ Jesus. We are those same messengers. So whenever it was beckoned unto Elizabeth that they rejoiced because they realized that she had been shown great mercy, that's what we're doing when we go uh, preach the gospel to people. They may have never heard it, their life on the direction of destruction and death, but here you are. I've prayed for you. There's life found in Christ. Let's go. We do the same. So they rejoiced with her. Next portion in Luke. They rejoiced with her. Why? Why did they rejoice with her? Now, from the outset, you'd be like, well, obviously. She had a baby. They're all rejoicing. I think it goes a little bit further than that. Let's continue on. So the Lord has fulfilled his word. It's not the fact that Elizabeth simply bore a child. It's the fact that she couldn't, and now she did. (laughs) And before she ever did, there came a promise to her that this was going to happen. And the Lord was faithful to his word. So what does that mean? The fruit of God remembers, and God is faithful, is God is gracious. So if that came to pass, what does it say about the child who is to come After John. We see what happened with John. What about the promise to Mary? Who is he going to be? God is showing grace to his people by sending them a messenger. Who will declare the kingdom of God and who will be great before the Lord. So why are the people rejoicing? I can only imagine that it is because Isaiah 9 is ringing through their heads. Let's read Isaiah 9. This is what's ringing. Wait a second. The Lord is coming. A child. Is... Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shown. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. Why are they rejoicing? As they are glad when they defy the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Where are their hearts and minds at? For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To A king is coming. John is the precursor, the messenger to announce the king's come. So they are rejoicing because if God is faithful in this promise and this very thing to Elizabeth and to Zechariah, what does it say about what God is going to do for Mary? Number two. His name is John. Now the question comes up. This is where the question begins. The Lord has done a marvelous work in the lives of Zechariah and Elizabeth for the sake of his people. And what will Zechariah and Elizabeth do with this marvelous work? Will they give glory to God or to themselves? Here's a moment here. Let's go to the text. And on the eighth day, which was custom for them to be included into the covenant, and on the eighth day... They came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father. So let's just get this straight. Some people thought he was deaf and mute. And I think some people just automatically assume since he was mute that he must have been deaf too. So they're like, Hey, Name, name of the child? So they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. They all wondered. Would have called him Zechariah. Now the Greek here uses a very specific term, meaning wished. That the people wished that the child's name would become Zechariah. Zechariah. I mean, it seems most fitting, right? It was customary. It's a family name. Why not? It was only customary that the child be given a family name as a marker of whose child it belonged to. Whose family the child belonged to. Who would carry on the name? Because remember, Zechariah and Elizabeth have been barren. No children to carry on the name. So, Where are they at? This was the moment of decision for both Elizabeth and Zechariah. Will Elizabeth buckle under the weight of the crowd, the very people she was shamed by because of her barrenness, and name the child for her and Zechariah's glory? Or will she claim John for herself, so as John grew up in the greatness before the Lord, her name or Zechariah's name will be upon him? Which one will it be? All the marvelous acts that John is going to do. What name is he going to carry? And I love that she objects. Because the crowd's like, hey, let's do this. It seems right. It's customary. You know, it's a family name. Praise the Lord. You guys have an heir now. She goes, no. His name will be John. I love that she interjects. Because guess who couldn't speak at the time? Do you know what's interesting about Elizabeth? Did she receive the word of the Lord directly from Gabriel? Who was responsible for telling her? Zechariah. Her faith was established at hearing the promise of this thing. And now defends it. Zechariah at the beginning doubted it from the get-go. I love that Elizabeth is here because her name means God is faithful and therefore she's is going to, de- to declare it. No, his name is John. His name will be John. Elizabeth objects and bears witness. Her declaration is not simply one of naming but her placing the glory of this child upon the Lord because his name would be the one set apart. Her blessing is for God's good pleasure and his good purposes. She received a blessing from the Lord in light of what the Lord's going to do through this child. It would have been absolutely unrighteous for her to be like, all right, sweet, my child now. He will carry my name. I want to talk about parenting for a moment. The blessing of children to us are gifts from the Lord, but they are his children. They have been entrusted to us by the Lord to shepherd and guide them well. All too often, we seek to raise them up in the way we think they should go professional ball player, doctor, lawyer, hopefully not streamer. You know, if some of you all out there, it's not a real job. Um, don't inspire them to do that. You know, you have big plans for your child. And a lot of times, as soon as the child's born, you're like, oh, yeah glorious and wonderful this child is going to be. He's going to grow up and he's going to do this. You start making plans, right? start naming and thinking about all the cool stuff. Oh maybe he's going to be a ball player like me you know I can play ball. you know you start characterizing all this stuff from the get-go. and we seek to create our children in our image. We've been given a blessing and we're like, all right, thanks bloop, 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 bloop. making an idol. Out of the child. To replicate what we think. They should be. Our children may be called. And set apart for God's purposes. And his good pleasure. We are just the ones who receive the blessing. In the midst of his purposes. Our inquiry to parenting. Should be that of. Hey Lord. May your will be done in my child. I am simply a steward. To whom you've blessed with your child. To do as you see fit. For your good pleasure your purpose. May I be faithful to that which you have given to me. Elizabeth did from the get-go. From the very moment they said, oh, let's name Zachariah after you guys. He said no. Or she, sorry, she said no. His name will be John. We as parents need to do the same. Lift up our children in prayer. Come before the Lord in humble submission, saying, Lord, teach us on how to disciple your children. That we are faithful to the gift that you have given us, that they may grow up for your glory and purposes. And say, Lord, these are yours, <laughs> not mine. I know that's very difficult, because whenever we see our children, we're like, man, I love these. Well, of course, they look like you. <laughs> how can you not look in the mirror and all of yourself? Well... There's depression and all that, but you see your child, and when your child does well, you're like, oh, that's my boy. Yeah, that's my girl. Look what she's doing. Rather than saying, you know what? (laughs) Look at the talents and skills that they have. Praise the Lord. We seek to make an image or an idol of them. Now, this is the interesting part. Next portion, it says that none of they declare none of your relatives are called by this name. They go right to tradition, Right? The name will be John. Wait a second, Elizabeth. Hold your horses. Zechariah over here hasn't given his approval on the matter. None of your family has named that. Therefore, you can't name him that. So they inquire. So in the face of questions, doubts, and oppositions of the crowd, Elizabeth remains faithful, for she knows this is from the Lord and that his name has been given already. It doesn't matter what others think or say. The Lord is at work and His word is truth. Her faith has been established because of the message that she had been given by Zechariah. Here we see that Zechariah was faithful to let her know what the Lord had said. And she stands firm based upon that truth. Is that you this morning? Are you surrounded by the echoes of friends and family seeking to have you deviate from what God has called you to? Does the calling on your life not make sense with those who, uh, but st- those you know but stand in opposition to what the Lord has called you to do? Or do you sit in silence not knowing what God has placed before you to do, only to allow the voices of others and yourself to deter you from doing it? Oof. We don't step up and oppose the voices. Oh, you're right, crowd. I'm not that. I should just be Zechariah. Is that you this morning? Have you allowed crowds and pressure to deter you from what you know you're supposed to be doing? That God has called you by name, cleansed you, commissioned you, that you go and walk in good works, that He has prepared for you ahead of time. Are you deterred from that? Oh, you're right. I'm not that smart. Oh, you're right. I haven't been to Bible college. Oh, you're right. I don't know that language. Oh, you're right. You know, my children are a little wild. Is that you? Maybe it's time to stand up a little bit. Now, I'm not saying go and get arguments with your family. Don't do that. Because Thanksgiving is coming up. It would be awkward. Whatever. But, But sometimes you need to to check your own self, check your own heart, check your own mind. No, I know, and I need to stand upon that. So they made signs to his father, his father being John. They made signs to his father for two reasons. One, Zechariah was assumed to be deaf since he was not able to speak. <laughs> it's kind of a weird. But two, to make sure that since Zechariah was mute, Elizabeth was not selecting the name without Zechariah's consent. So essentially they were checking with the dad, like, are you okay with this? She just completely obliterated you from the equation. So what's going on then? Why name John? So they made a sign for him. So they hand him a tablet. Now this is the moment, okay? I want you to feel the pressure of Zechariah. He doubted from the beginning, was made silent, and had to sit in silence during the entire time of the pregnancy. And now here comes the moment whenever he's going to have to declare to everybody in the crowd who he believes does he believe the word of the Lord because he's seen it and declare the reality of it? Or does he say, well, you know, we've been trying for a while and, you know, his name would be Zechariah and bring shame upon his wife. This is the moment. This is where we get to see what Zechariah is going to do because he failed at first. Or will he do what he should have done in the first place? But look what he says. His name is John. Is John. Elizabeth said, will be John. She declared function of what John will be. That he will be the graciousness by which God goes forth. Zechariah says, no, no, no. He is John. The Greek word here that we know that it's is is esteem. His name is John. Not will be. Not will be someday. Not shall become. But is John. His name had already been decided. I just failed to recognize it from the beginning. So I have to write it. Notice here that Zechariah writes his name. His name is John. God's faithfulness was not predicated upon the belief of either Elizabeth nor Zechariah. God was going to do exactly what he was going to do regardless of what Zechariah and Elizabeth thought on the matter. So even in the midst of Zechariah's doubt, he's like, well, okay, whatever. You're going to be quiet now. I'm just going to work. God's faithfulness was not predicated upon the plea of either Elizabeth nor Zechariah. The Lord is faithful to fulfill His word in spite of our doubts and insecurities. When God is at work in His people, there is nothing that can stop Him. Notice Zechariah did not say that He will be someday, not He shall be possibly, not God is gracious in the future. No, He says His name is John. It, not, it has never not been John. God has never not been gracious towards His people. It is not only in the birth from a barren womb that God is gracious. He always has been. The great I Am is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant and steadfast love, and good to all who call upon Him. His name is John. Sometimes it takes silence to be built up in faith. That you may know for sure what God is. Psalm 145. That's right, we're going to read through the whole thing. We're going to see the character of God. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. God, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. I'd imagine that Zechariah was meditating a lot in his silence. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. We are a part of that generation that extols the Lord and tells of His goodness from one generation to the next. We continue it on. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you And you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. What has Israel been doing for over 400 years? They've been crying. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked uh, he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. We're going to see Zechariah do that very thing, are we not? Next week we're going to see what Zechariah does with his mouth after he has been released from his silence. May we likewise declare as the faithful generation the wondrous works of the Lord who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and good to all who call upon the name of Jesus. And they all wondered. That's the next portion. They all wondered. So why are they wondering? A son is born to an older couple outside of the age of giving birth. The naming of the child is out of tradition. And lastly, number three, what shall this child be? If this is what's going on, what shall this child be then? Verses 64 through 66. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke, Blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. 400 years, nothing. And now there's one who has been selected by the Lord and is going to be used for his good purposes. What then will this child be? Immediately his mouth was open, blessing God. First the Lord shows them great mercy. Faith is built up in Zechariah in the midst of silence. And now there is nothing else that his mouth is able to do than to rejoice and bless God for his faithfulness. Fear came upon all the neighbors. They had no earthly idea what was going on here. A lot of weird stuff happening. So they didn't know what was going on. Something's different. Something is different. Something's going on. So they asked the question, What then shall this child be? Strange birth. Strange name. What kind of child will John be? We will find out as we go through Luke what works God has planned for John. And you get to be able to bear witness of the glory of God in John as, we're, as John goes through and does exactly what he's been called to do. But this is not just for John. God has a plan and a purpose for you too. Not in a, God sees greatness in you so go and be great. That's not what I'm saying. He has chosen you by name, specifically shown you great mercy, shown you great mercy for the purpose of his good pleasure and his sovereign will. God does not see, it is not that God sees greatness in you, but that you are great because of God. He has chosen you by name, shown you great mercy, and has preordained purpose in your salvation for His good pleasure and your ultimate good to do good works. Why? Because the hand of the Lord is upon you. What was said about Joseph throughout the time in Egypt? The Lord was with him no matter what Joseph went through. He was firm in the foundation of the hand of the Lord was upon him. Even then, he states in Genesis 50 that what you meant for evil, God meant for good. There is purpose in your selection, there is purpose in your salvation. We find this in Ephesians 2. Now, I'm going to keep preaching this over and over and over again because Ephesians 2 has to be one of those pinnacle chapters in the New Testament by which you need to understand the good news of the gospel and what that means for you as a Christian. Listen, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, a barren land in which you once walked, following the course of this world in wickedness and sin, "...fleshly desires, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience." That was us. "...among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like Lot and his family who were in Sodom, like the rest of mankind. We all deserve it. We are all sinners. We all fall short of the grace or the glory of God." We all deserve it. Verse 4. But God, but God, but God, being rich in mercy. We are all here because of that richness of mercy. We've all been shown the truth. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Do you want to understand the love of God Observe the glory that is Christ Jesus in the gospel. While you were still yet sinners, Christ died for you. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Psalm 145. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, So that way no one may boast. No Zechariah here. His name is John. His name is John. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. Which God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. That we simply walk in them. Your salvation comes with a call to good works. We just need to come to the cross, realize our salvation is good, that he's shown us great mercy, and that we have been called with a purpose. Called, commissioned, and now we go. Every single one of you. Our calling means our commissioning. Don't be silent in this. Don't doubt it. You get to partake in the glory and rejoice in it like Elizabeth did without being silent. Do you remember Elizabeth rejoicing when Mary came in? Zechariah couldn't do that. Believe. God has that wonderful plan for you. He didn't call you. Just be like, all right, you're pretty cool. I like you. I want you in heaven. No. You have a purpose in his sovereign plan for his good pleasure and your good, your ultimate good. In conclusion, these are the three things we're going to take home. One, you have been shown great mercy through the gospel. May it produce joy and delight that would multiply in praise and rejoicing. The rejoicing that she found, the great mercy that she had been shown, Elizabeth, had produced rejoicing in those around her. That is what it is that we are to make known to people. That whenever we walk this life being established in faith that we can endure these things. Doubts, anxieties, situations, and stress and suffering. We could be established in joy in the midst of the trials and people will wonder. Wow. They will rejoice with you. Number two. God has called you by name for his good pleasure. You have been elected by God in His mercy and grace to live a life of good works, which He prepared for you ahead of time. God is at work in you, both to will and to do. He who began a work in you will complete it, even the moments of doubt and silence. Faith is not predicated upon your ability to maintain, but upon a one who has promised. Amen to that. It is not predicated on you bearing the strength. Predicate on the one who made the promise in the beginning. And he is faithful. His speaking is his doing. And lastly, what child will you be? One of silence or one of witness? Does your life look different in such a way that would cause others to wonder at the hand of God in your life? This should be our prayer this morning. Lord, take my life. And let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Our parents may have given us a name. But we have a new name. The one by which we're called by. Commissioned by. To go and do good works. So take my life, Lord. And let it be. May that which I do not bear my name to others. No Zechariah here. May it, it... Bear the witness of God's graciousness and faithfulness and great mercy by which I've been shown. I don't care what name I've made. Not the biggest fan of my name anyway. <laughs> Pretty lazy. Well, Freddie the Fifth. Okay, awesome. Well, to be true, I was lazy with mine as well. <laughs> Freddie Allen's back there. See, so, yeah, I made an idol of myself. <laughs> but we have a better name a name by which the Lord knows us by and com- commissioned us by so let us go and walk and live in it take my life and let it be and may we be as faithful as Elizabeth and being shown great mercy and may we rejoice like Zechariah in observing and realizing the glory that which we've been shown in the works of God in our life let's pray Heavenly Father, you are good, you are gracious and merciful, you are slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, you in being rich in mercy have extended to us the goodness of your grace by showing us Christ Jesus. You have sought fit to call us by name, that Christ would be revealed to us, that messengers would come and bear witness of the gospel to us, and that we would receive by faith your grace and mercy that the Spirit regenerates us and awakens us to the reality of the good news of the gospel. And now not only have we been called and reconciled back to God, but you have commissioned every single one of us, both to will and to do, that our affections be turned towards you and that you guide our steps, that we say, take my hands, take my feet, take my life, take my love, take my voice, and that you do with it as you see fit. So, Lord, we ask that we be the child by which you have called us to be. That we walk in them, the good works that you've preordained. So, Lord, this morning, work in our hearts that we could rejoice and say, Lord, take my life. It's yours to do with it for your good pleasure and for our ultimate good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.